0: United States Steel, U-S-S. The industrial family that serves the nation presents The Theater Guild on the air. Our stars, Clifton Webb, Leonora Corbett, and Mildred Natwick. Our play, Blythe Spirit, by Noel Coward. Produced on the air tonight by The Theater Guild, one of America's foremost theatrical producers. Every day, everywhere, you are served by products of steel. In your home, in your business, in your travel. The trademark of United States Steel, USS, on any steel product, is your guide to quality steel. And now, direct from the stage of the Vanderbilt Theater in New York, the United States Steel Corporation brings you Blithe Spirit by Noel Coward. And here is Roger Pryor speaking for the Theatre Guild. Good evening,
1: everyone. Tonight, the Theatre Guild brings you a happy combination of talents that kept New York absorbed for many, many months. Our play, Blythe Spirit, could be called a ghost story, but it's a ghost story with a difference. And maybe that's because that clever playwright, Noel Coward, wrote it. Playgoers will not soon forget the spiritualistic spoofing of Blythe Spirit, nor the actors who romp through it. Three of those actors from the original cast, Clifton Webb as Charles Condamine, Leonora Corbett as Elvira, and Mildred Natwick as Madame Arcati, recreate their original roles tonight with Kathleen Cordell featured as Ruth. We regret to announce that due to unforeseen circumstances, Peggy Wood, who was to play her original role of Ruth, is unable to be with us this evening. And now the curtain rises on the Theatre Guild on the Air production of Noel Coward's Blythe Spirit. Hold
2: that gangplank! All up the gangplank! Hold it, hold it! I'm coming! Ah, well, I made it.
3: All up the gangplank!
2: I made it. Here I am, bound for America. Now, let me get used to that wonderful fact. I, Charles Condamine, am going to America. Land of the free and home of the brave. I'm not brave. Perhaps I wouldn't be here if I were. But I'm free. Free at last. Free of women and free of... (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Ghosts. I'm escaping from a situation that... Well, maybe I better, better, maybe I better begin at the beginning. It's quite a story, you know. It all started innocently enough when I was a novelist, living a peaceful existence in my own home in the English countryside. Peaceful, except that my wife, my second wife, Ruth, didn't understand why I did certain things. For example, there was the time when I arranged for a medium to conduct a seance in my home. I was writing a book about spiritualism. You know, a medium is supposed to be able to bring ghosts right into your own living room. I thought it was a lot of rubbish, but I I wanted to see how they operated. So I invited Madame Arcati, a local medium, to come for dinner one night and give her a demonstration. On the night when she was to come...
4: I think it's silly to have her here, Charles. Well,
2: perhaps it is, Ruth, but a writer has to know the thing he's going to write about.
4: Well, you might have waited until some year when servants were easier to get.
2: You don't think the séance is going to bother Daisy, do you?
4: Sneer if you like, but all the same, I'm worried. Daisy shouts like a train announcer and positively sprints all over the place. I don't see why you must
2: worry about Daisy. I've never known a woman who worried about servants the way you do.
4: You're referring to your first wife, I suppose. Oh, Charles, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I can't forget that you've been married before, and oh, I...
2: darling, Elvira's been dead for seven years. And I must say, I don't like to hear her mentioned when we're about to communicate with the spirit world.
4: I do wish I'd known her.
2: I wonder if you'd have liked her.
4: Oh, I'm sure I should. I always like these uncomplicated, self-centered personalities.
2: Poor Elvira.
4: Charles, if I died before you'd grown tired of me, would you forget me so soon?
2: Well, to begin with, I haven't forgotten Elvira. I remember her very distinctly indeed. I remember how she liked simple things, waffles and Irving Berlin's music, and mink coats. (laughs) I remember her physical attractiveness, which was tremendous, and her spiritual integrity, which was nil.
4: Charles, was she more physically attractive than I am?
2: That's a very tiresome question, dear, and fully deserves the wrong answer.
4: (laughs) If I died, I wonder how long it would be before you married again.
2: You won't die. You're not the dying sort. Well,
4: neither was Elvira. Oh, yes, she
2: was, now that I look back on it. She had a certain ethereal, not quite of this world quality. And nobody could call you even remotely ethereal.
4: Nonsense. She was of the earth, earthy.
2: Well, she is now, anyhow.
4: What a disgusting observation.
2: Now, look here, Ruth. I was devoted to Elvira. We were married for five years. She died. I missed her very much. That was seven years ago. I have now, with your help, my love, risen above the whole thing.
3: Excuse me, Mom. Yes, Daisy. There's two people here that say they're Doctor and Mrs. Bratz. Well,
2: show them in, show them in. Oh,
3: is that what I do?
4: Of course. Well, really, I knew she wouldn't do. Hello, everybody.
3: Charles, darling. Violet, darling, and Dr.
4: Bradman. Come in, come in. Here,
2: sit down. We're not late, are we? I only got back from the hospital about half an hour ago. Of course not. Madame McCurry isn't here yet.
4: That must have been her we passed coming down the hill on a bicycle. I said I bet it was. Bicycle? A medium on a bicycle? Well, that's an odd combination.
2: Madame McCurry is an odd combination. A medium and the leader of the girl guides. When she's not going into a trance, she's hiking and drilling all over the place. Oh, when do you see her?
4: We've been looking forward to it. I feel quite excited. Now, we
2: must really all be quite serious, you know, and pretend that we believe in ghosts implicitly. Otherwise, she won't play.
4: Excuse me, Mom. Yes, Daisy? There's somebody at the door, Mom. Well, answer it, answer it. I just wanted to warn you, Mom. That girl is going to cause us an awful lot of trouble. Forget
2: it, forget it. It must be Madame Arcotti coming.
5: You think she tells fortunes? I love having my fortune told. <laughs> here's Madame Alcotti. Oh, Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome, Welcome
2: Madame. Well, come right in, Madame well I left my
5: bicycle in the hall, so nobody'd steal it. You don't mind, do you? Oh, not at all. I wouldn't be without my bike. Exercise, you know, helpful. You all ought to try it. You look rather pale. Hmm. Well, now I'll just take off my neckerchief. It's a girl guide's neckerchief, you know. And look here. Here's my basketball whistle still hanging round my neck. <laughs> Here, here, young woman. Kindly put this in my bas- bicycle basket with my crystal ball. Yes, Mom. Well, here here we are. Well, it was nice of you to uh, tear yourself away from basketball just to raise a few ghosts for us, Madame Arcati. Oh, I don't mind, really. I only referee the basketball games, you know.
4: Excuse me, Mom. Yes, Daisy. If you're all
3: hungry, Mom, dinner's ready. We're all ready. Well, let's go in,
5: shall we? Ah, oh, dinner. There's nothing I like better than a good wholesome meal and a conversation with the spirits to top it off
3: all right
2: right back into the living room
3: excellent meal thank you
2: come on madame Arcati, dr (laughs) Mm badman and now for the seance madame Arcati. the time is drawing near who knows it
5: may be receding
0: how very true i hope you feel in the mood madame Arcati. it isn't
5: a question of mood it's a question of concentration First, a few deep, deep breaths of fresh air. This is a moment I always hate. Are you nervous? Yes, when I was a girl, I always used to throw up.
0: How fortunate. <laughs> How fortunate that you grew out of it.
5: Uh, now, now to warm up. Me. Mm-hmm. Ah. First verse. <laughs> Little Tommy Tucker sings for his supper. What shall he have? A brown bread and butter. I've always despised that because Daphne doesn't rhyme at all, yes, but Daphne, Daphne loves
0: it. Daphne, who's Daphne?
5: Uh, Daphne is Madame Arcati's
4: control, the spirit who acts as her messenger in the other world. She's oh. a little girl.
1: Oh, oh, I see, yes, yes, of
0: course. Uh, how old is she?
5: Almost seven when she died. And when was that? February the 6th, 1884. Oh, poor little thing.
0: She must be a bit long in the tooth by now, I should think. <laughs>
5: You should think, Dr. Bradman, but I'm afraid you don't. No. At least, not profoundly enough.
0: Oh, please forgive me, Madam Arcati.
5: It is of no consequence. Now, will you all sit around the table, please, and place your hands downwards on it? Come, Mrs. Bradman. Oh, I'm so thrilled. Thank <laughs> you.
6: Is this where we sit? Yes, right. Uh, what everybody. about the lights?
5: All in good time, Mr. Condemine. Sit down, please. The fingers should be touching. The fingers touching, everybody? Right.
2: We look rather asses, don't we?
5: I presume that that is the gramophone, Mr. Condamine. Oh, uh, yes,
2: Madame McCutty. Would you like me to start it? It's Please? an electric one. Hey, where
5: you are. I can manage. Now, let me see. What records have we here? Daphne prefers Irving Berlin to anyone else. She likes a tune she can hum. Ah, here's one. Always. Always?
2: No, 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 not always. That's the oh, song sit that... Sit
4: down, Charles. What is the matter?
2: Nothing. Nothing at all.
5: The light switches by the door. Uh, yes, very well. Don't keep still. Fingers touching, George. Remember what Madame Arcati said. No, there are one or two things that I should like to explain, so will you all listen attentively, please? Yes, of course. Presently, when the music begins, I'm going to switch out the lights. I may then either walk about the room for a little or lie down flat. I must ask you not to address me or move or do anything in the least distracting. Is that quite, quite clear? Heavily? Of course, I cannot guarantee that anything will happen at all. Daphne may be unavailable. She had a head cold recently and was rather under the weather for a child.
0: She should try aspirin.
5: She should try exercise. I always tell her so. Now then, are you ready to empty your mind?
0: Do you mean we're to try to think of nothing?
5: Absolutely nothing, Dr. Bradman. Now, I'll start the music. put out the lights. Oh, dear. Quiet, please. Now I'll sit down with you and put my hands over yours. Is there anyone there? I've got goose pimples. (laughs) Is there any spirit there? Is there anyone there?
0: Silly business, isn't it?
5: Now then, out there in the spirit world, is there anyone there? One rap for yes, two raps for no. Is that you, Daphne? Oh, is your cold better, dear? Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you doing anything for it? Good heavens. Oh, dear, I'm afraid she's rather fretful. Now, is there anyone there who wishes to speak to anyone here? Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Oh, no, Daphne, don't tickle me. Oh, don't do that, dear. You're hurting me, (laughs) Daphne.
2: Daphne is apparently a Brett.
5: Mm, good, there's a dear child. Oh, this is uncanny. Now, Daphne, you say there is someone there who wishes to speak to someone here. Is it I? Is it Dr. Bradman? Is it Mrs. Bradman? Is it Mrs. Condamine? Oh, stop it. Behave yourself. Is it Mr. Condamine? Aha. There's someone who wishes to speak to you, Mr. Condomine.
2: Tell one to leave a message.
5: <laughs> Charles, how can you be so idiotic? You'll spoil everything.
4: Oh, I'm
2: sorry, Ruth. I'm sorry you just slipped out.
4: Do
5: you know anyone who has passed over recently?
2: No.
4: It, it might be old Mrs. Plummet, you know. She died last week. Oh,
2: did she? I can't imagine why old Mrs. Plummet should wish to talk to me. Well,
4: it's worth trying anyhow. Are you old Mrs. Plummet?
5: Uh, she was very deaf. Perhaps you'd better shout. Are you
4: old
3: Mrs. Plummett?
5: <laughs> no one there at all. Well, how disappointing. Just as we were getting on so nicely. Violet, be quiet. Oh, I'm afraid there's nothing for it but for me to go into a trance. And I had hoped to avoid it because they're so exhausting. <laughs> but however, what must be, must be. Excuse me while I turn on the gramophone again. Not
2: always. Don't play always. Never
5: oh, not, Charles. Don't be so absurd. Oh, I'm afraid I must. It would be most unwise to change horses in midstream, if you know what I mean.
2: Have it your own way. Mm.
0: Does she have to moan like that? Christ. If that's Daphne, she ought to have her adenoids out. George. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: Good heavens.
2: Ruth, help her. Madame Arcati's think. No, no, she's in a trance.
4: She's still, Charles.
6: The, the table
2: is rising into the air. Yeah, hold the table. I can't I'm hold it. get away. No, I, can't I can't hold, hold it. That's what I'm doing. Oh,
4: there now. It's toppled over. Ought we to pick it up or leave it where it is? Leave it where it
2: is. Who said that? Who said
4: what? Somebody said, leave it where it is. Not the I heard it distinctly. Well, nobody else did. Did they? I never
3: heard a sound.
4: Good evening, Charles.
2: Ventriloquism. That's what it is, ventriloquism.
4: What is the matter with you, Charles? You
2: mean to sit there solemnly and tell me that none of you heard anything at all?
0: I certainly
4: didn't. Neither did I. I wish I
5: had. I should love to hear something
4: difficult to know what to say after seven years. But I suppose good evening, Charles, is as good as
2: anything else. Who are you? Elvira,
4: of course. Don't you remember your first wife, Charles?
2: I can't bear this another minute.
4: What's the matter, Charles? What is it? Charles, where are you going? Get up,
2: everybody. The entertainment's over.
4: What are you doing, Charles? I'm turning on
2: the lights. There.
4: Oh, Charles, how tiresome of you, just as we were beginning to enjoy ourselves. Never
2: again, that's all I can say. Never, never again, as long as I live. What on earth the matter with Nothing you? is the matter with me. I'm just sick of the whole business, that's all. Did you hear anything that we didn't hear, really? Oh, <laughs> of course not. I was only pretending.
4: Oh, dear, look at Madame Arcati. She's still unconscious. Oh, Henry, what are we to do with her? Well, bring
2: her around, bring her around as soon as possible. No, I think we'd better leave her alone. Wake up, Madame Arcati, wake up. It's time to go home. Here, here, go easy, old man. Don't slap her so hard. But... Wake up, Madame Arcati. Little Tommy, tucker Madame (laughs) Arcati.
5: Well, that's that. Help me up, will you?
2: There you are.
5: Are you all right? Certainly I am. Never felt better in my life. Of course, every time I go into a trance, my girdle hikes up, but that's all right. (laughs) Well what happened? Was it satisfactory? Nothing much happened, Madame Arcati, after you went off. Oh, something happened all right. I can feel it. No brimstone no poltergeist at any rate. That's a good thing. Any apparitions?
0: Not a thing.
5: Well, that's very curious. I feel as though something tremendous had taken place. Charles pretended he heard a voice in order to frighten us.
2: It was only a joke.
5: A very poor one, if I may say so. Well, I think I really must be on my way now. Would you like anything before you go? Oh, no, thank you. I have some Ovaltine already in the saucepan at home. It only needs hopping up. Goodbye,
4: all.
2: I'll show you out. Oh, goodbye.
4: It's been wonderful, Madame Arcati. Do
2: come again? Uh, right through the hall here, Madame Marcotte. Uh, shall I light your bicycle lamp for you? Oh, no, thanks. There's a moon. It's very nice of you, Madame Arcate. And thank you.
5: You did hear a voice, didn't you?
2: No, of course
5: not. Oh, yes, you did. I can tell. You're trembling.
2: I didn't hear any voice.
5: Mm, very well. You didn't hear any voice. But if you hear it again, let me know. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
2: I shivered a little when Madame Arcotti said that. But then I reflected that when I had heard Elvira's voice there in the dark, it had probably been some trick of Madame Arcotti's or my imagination. But I was wrong. For after the Bradmans had gone, I was to find myself in a fantastic situation, with Ruth thinking I was talking to her when I was really talking to Elvira, whom Ruth could neither see nor hear.
3: Oh.
4: Ah. Tired, Ruth? Mm, Very tired.
2: I thought the Bradmans would never go. Well,
4: it was you who invited them. She's being very ungracious, don't you think, Charles?
2: Elvira, that is true. It was you.
4: Well, of course it was. Charles, darling, Charles, what are you talking about?
2: Are you a ghost?
4: Me? I suppose I must be. It's all... Terribly confusing. Charles, what do you keep looking over there for? Look at me. What's happened? Don't you see? See what? Elvira. Elvira? Yes.
2: Can't you hear her? What? Of course she can. Oh, nonsense, nonsense. Oh, uh, Elvira, dear, this is Ruth. Ruth, this is Elvira. Uh,
4: come and sit down, darling.
2: You mean to say you can't hear her or, or see her at all? Oh,
4: Charles, you just sit down quietly by the fire and I'll mix you another drink. But
2: you must be able to see her, Ruth. She's there. Look, right in front of you. There.
4: If this is a joke, dear, it's gone quite far enough. Now sit down for heaven's sake and don't be idiotic. Oh, what
2: am I to do? What am I to do? Sit down.
4: I think you might at least be a little bit more pleased to see me.
2: After all, you conjured me up. I did nothing of the sort.
4: Nothing of what sort, dear? And
2: nothing, Ruth. Nothing. I was talking to Elvira. As
4: I told you before, the joke's gone quite far enough. Sit down.
2: Why are you so anxious for me to sit down? What good will that do?
4: Well, I want you to relax. You can't relax standing up. African natives can. They can stand on one leg for hours. I don't happen to be an African native.
3: You,
4: you don't happen to be a what? An African native. What's that got to do with it? Oh,
2: it doesn't matter, Ruth, really. It doesn't matter. We'll say no more about it. See? I've sat down.
4: Uh, Dear, would you like some more brandy? Yes, please. Very unwise.
2: You always had a weak head. I could drink you under the table. Well,
4: there's no need to be aggressive, Charles. (laughs) You don't understand. Yet I'll drink this, dear, and then we'll go to bed. Oh, get rid of her, Charles. Then we can talk in peace. That's a thoroughly immoral suggestion. What is there immoral in that? I wasn't talking to you. Well, who were you talking to then?
2: Elvira, of course. I
4: don't want to hear any more about Elvira. There. Now she's getting cross. I don't blame her. What don't you blame her for?
2: Look, Ruth. Elvira is here. She's standing a few yards away from you.
4: Yes, dear, I can see her distinctly. Under the piano on a horse. But, Ruth! I am not going to stay here arguing any longer. Hooray! Shut up! How dare you speak to me like that!
2: (laughs) Ruth, listen, please, listen. I will not
4: listen to any more of this nonsense. I'm going up to bed now. I'll leave you to turn out the lights. I shall be asleep, I'm too upset. So you can come in and say goodnight to me if you feel like it. Mm, That's big of her, I must say. You're behaving like a gutter snipe. Well, that's all I have to say. Good
3: night,
4: Charles. Ruth! That was one of the most enjoyable half hours I've ever spent. Oh, Elvira, look what you've done. Look what you've married, Charles.
2: Why did you ever come back here?
4: You called me back.
2: I did not.
4: Oh, yes, you did. I remember I was playing gin rummy with a very sweet old oriental gentleman. I think his name was Genghis Khan. i just schneided him when that awful child paged me and and told me that you wanted to see me urgently. That can't be true. Of course it's true. I couldn't get here unless somebody wanted me. Perhaps it was your subconscious calling me, Charles. My subconscious
2: is not that immoral.
4: Charles, do you think it's immoral of me to be here?
2: Well, I am married to Ruth, you know.
4: You never divorced me.
2: You didn't live long enough. Oh,
4: Charles! (laughs) Now see
2: here, Elvira... I cannot accept your explanation that I called you back. This whole thing must have been your own idea.
4: Darling, I couldn't have come back if you hadn't wanted me to. There I sat on the other side, just longing for you, Charles. That's why I put myself down for a return visit and had to fill up all those forms and wait about in draughty corridors for hours.
2: So, returning here was your doing.
4: Yes, but I couldn't have come anyway if you didn't want me. Oh, Charles. Charles, we're still in love. Why can't you admit it? Because I happen to be
2: married to Ruth.
4: Well, I don't see what you see in her, darling. She nags, she whines, she hasn't any life. Have you? (laughs) Let's not quibble, dear.
2: All right, all right. It is good seeing you again, Elvira, in a way. But, of course, my first duty is to Ruth.
4: I don't understand why your first duty is to your second wife.
2: Well, it is. I've got to go up to her now.
4: Oh. Oh, um... Charles? Yes? Don't you dread it? Dread what? Going up to Ruth. She wasn't in a very good mood, you know, when she left this room. Mm, That's true. And I remember how you so hated scenes. Oh,
2: I do hate scenes.
4: Stay down here, Charles. Stay with me. All night. Why not?
2: No. No, Elvira. It's bound to seem wrong to Ruth.
4: Don't you mean that it seems wrong to be bound to Ruth?
2: Elvira, I will not stay here and play word games with you.
4: (laughs) Darling, that's not exactly what I'm asking you to do.
2: And I'm certainly not going to stay here and make love to you.
4: You couldn't make love to me. You can't, you can't even touch me, child. Can't I? And perhaps it's just as well if I'm going to stay for any length of time.
2: You're awfully sure of yourself, aren't you? You're sure I'd want to touch you.
4: I'm sure I'd want you to, anyway. Uh,
2: That sounds like you at your very sweetest, Elvira.
4: Thank you. Oh, Charles, I want to cry, but I don't think I'm able to. What do you want to cry for? Oh, it's seeing you again.
2: Ah, yes, we did have some good times together, didn't we, Elvira?
4: Wonderful times. Oh. Why don't you sit down here beside me, Charles, darling? Just, just for a minute... I believe I will. I feel
2: strangely peaceful now.
4: That's right. Put your head back. I want to stroke your forehead the way I used to do. There. Can you can you feel anything?
2: Only a very little breeze through my hair.
4: Well, that's better than nothing. <laughs> oh,
2: I, I really ought to go up to Ruth.
4: Yes, dear, but don't worry about it. Just relax.
2: Yes,
4: relax relax.
2: You're very sweet, Elvira.
4: Dear Charles.
6: Poor (laughs) Ruth.
3: Not to
6: Ruth. (laughs)
0: Blithe Spirit, produced by the Theatre Guild on the air and presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And here, speaking for United States Steel, is George Hicks.
6: Good evening. Not long ago, a friend of mine who often listens to these programs said to me, George, tell me something. Who owns the United States Steel Corporation anyway? When I told him the real answer to that question, he said that's certainly a piece of information I think all your listeners would find very interesting. I think he was right. And here's exactly what I told him about the owners of U.S. Steel. Today, there are 228,790 of these owners of common and preferred stock. And it's their invested savings in U.S. Steel that provide the essential tools of production and make possible the employment of over 275,000 workers. 109,299 of the owners are women, 101,034 are men, and included in the balance are institutional stockholders such as banks, insurance companies, schools, colleges, and hospitals. The average individual holding is only 37 shares. Many of you folks listening in may be among the stockholding owners of U.S. Steel, for they represent as a group a good cross-section of all America. They're found in every part of the country, in large cities, in towns of all sizes, and out on the nation's farms and ranches. Among them may be your next-door neighbor, your grocer, your doctor, or your insurance company. It's quite possible that your local hospital or the college to which you sent your son or daughter may have invested some part of its funds in U.S. Steel. Now, when you consider that there are over 225,000 stockholding owners of U.S. Steel and over 275,000 workers, and that most of these owners and workers have families you'll understand what is meant when we say millions of Americans have a very real interest in the operation and progress of U.S. Steel. And incidentally, you'd be surprised how many of those 275,000 workers have a double interest because they're stockholding owners, too. That answer to the question, who owns U.S. Steel, may help you understand why the management of this corporation faces a large and often difficult threefold responsibility for it must conduct the affairs of U.S. Steel so as to satisfy not only the best interests of its stockholding owners and of its employees, but of the whole nation as well.
0: We pause now for station identification. Your station is K-E-C-A Los Angeles.
3: You are listening to the
0: Theatre Guild on the Air, presented by the industrial family that serves the nation, United States Steel.
1: And now the curtain rises on the second act of *Blithe Spirit, starring Clifton Webb as Charles, Leonora Corbett as Elvira, Mildred Natwick as Madame Arcati, and featuring Kathleen Cordell as Ruth.
6: You
2: know, ordinarily, it's not pleasant to sleep on a sofa all night. And ordinarily, it's no fun to have your first wife in the house when your second wife is there, too. But when your first wife is a ghost and your second wife can't see her and can't hear her, well, it's possible to make the most of a situation like that. I slept like a baby. But when I awoke, Elvira had disappeared. And in the cold light of morning, it seemed to me just as well. I thought I'd never see her again. I washed up and went to join Ruth in the breakfast room.
4: It's you. Good morning, Ruth, darling. Good morning, indeed. Charles, you behaved abominably last night. You wounded and insulted me.
2: I was the victim of an aberration.
4: Nonsense. You were drunk. Drunk? You had four strong dry martinis before dinner, a great deal too much burgundy at dinner, and then two double brandies later. I gave them to you myself. Of course you were drunk.
2: I was not the least drunk, Ruth. Something happened to me last night. Something very peculiar happened to me. Nonsense. It isn't Nonsense. I honestly had some sort of hallucination.
4: I would really rather not discuss it any further. I
2: swear to you, but during the seance, I was convinced that I heard Elvira's voice.
4: Well, nobody else did. Well,
2: I can't help that. I did. You
4: couldn't have.
2: And later on, I was equally convinced that she was in this room. I saw her distinctly and talked to her. After you gone up to bed, we had quite a cozy little chat.
4: And you seriously expect me to believe that you weren't drunk?
2: I know I wasn't drunk. If I'd been all that drunk, I should have a dreadful hangover now, shouldn't I? Hmm.
4: Well, I'm not at all sure that you haven't.
2: I haven't got the trace of a headache, and my tongue's not coated. Look.
4: I have not the least desire to look at your tongue. Kindly put it in again.
2: Hmm. I know what it is. You're jealous.
4: Jealous? Of whom?
2: Elvira. Oh, I know women.
4: Your view of women is academic, to say the least. Just because you've always been dominated by them... I've
2: never been dominated by anyone. You were
4: hagridden by your mother until you were twenty-three. Then you got in the clutches of that awful Mrs... Well, whatever her name was.
2: Mrs. Winthrop Llewellyn.
4: I'm not interested. Then there was Alvara. She ruled you with a rod of iron. Then there was more charterers.
2: If you wish to make an inventory of my love life, dear, I think it's only fair to tell you that you missed out on several episodes. It's
4: no use trying to impress me with your routine amorous exploits. And
2: it's no use your pretending I was drunk last night. I was stone cold sober from first to last and extremely upset into the bargain. You
4: were upset. Indeed. What about me? You called me a gutter snipe. You told me to shut up. And when I quietly suggested that we should go up to bed, you said, with the most disgusting leer, that it was an immoral suggestion.
2: I was talking to Elvira. And I was upset, I tell you. When I saw her, I had the shock of my life.
4: But you couldn't have seen her.
2: All right, all right. I couldn't have seen her. Now let's not discuss it any longer.
4: But I enjoy the discussion so much, Charles.
2: Oh, good heavens. Well,
4: what's the matter now?
2: She's here again.
4: What do you mean, who's here again? Elvira. Oh, pull yourself together and don't be so astir. I've been looking around, Charles. This woman has ruined my garden. It looks like a mixed salad. I like it. You like what? All those nasty nasturtiums. Oh.
2: Oh, Ruth, help me, help me. You've got to help me. I tell you, she's here again.
4: You were having a row, weren't you? I could hear you all over the house.
2: Mind your own business.
4: If you're behaving like a lunatic, is isn't my business, nothing is. I think the row was about me, wasn't it? I'm so glad.
2: How can you be so inconsiderate?
4: Inconsiderate? I like that, I must...
2: Ruth, darling, please, I've done
4: everything I can to help. I've controlled myself admirably. And I should like to say here and now that I don't believe a word about your hallucinations. For some obscure reason, you're trying to talk oh, me to doing something that I might regret.
3: I won't stand for it anymore. You're making me utterly miserable. Ruth, please. Don't come near me. Oh. Let her
4: have a nice
2: cry. Do her good. You're utterly heartless. Heartless? I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to Elvira.
4: Charles, why do you keep saying that?
2: Because it's true. Oh, I wish you could understand once for all, Ruth, that I that I was talking to Elvira, she's in this room.
4: You... When I
2: say things that sound strange to you, it's because I'm talking to her.
4: You really believe that, don't you?
2: Believe it, I know it.
4: Um, Charles.
2: Yes, Ruth, dear? Oh,
4: I- I'm awfully sorry I was cross.
2: But, my dear... Oh,
4: I understand everything now I do, really. You do? Oh, of course I do.
2: No out, she's up to something. Will you please be quiet? Of
4: course, darling, we'll all be quiet, but we will be as quiet as little mice.
2: Now, Ruth, dear, listen, I please. I want you
4: to come upstairs and go to bed. The way that woman hops on bed is nothing short of a rotten. Just come quietly to bed, Charles, and wait there until Dr. Bradman comes. No, she'll have you in a straitjacket before you know where you are. Elvira, help
2: me. You must help me. My
4: dear, I would with pleasure, but I can't think how.
2: Wait a minute. I can. Uh, Ruth, listen. Uh, yes, dear? If I promise to go to bed, will you let me stay here for just five minutes longer?
4: Very well. What is it? All right. uh, sit down. Oh, all right.
2: Ruth, I want to explain to you clearly, and without emotion, but beyond any shadow of doubt, the ghost or shade, or whatever you want to call it, of my first wife is in this room now. Yes, dear. Oh, I know you don't believe me and are trying valiantly to humor me, but I intend to prove it to you.
4: Why not lie down and have a nice rest, and you can prove anything you want to later on?
2: Elvira may not be here later on. Don't
4: worry, she will. Be
2: quiet. Now look, Ruth. You see that bowl of flowers on the piano? Why,
4: yes, dear, I did it myself this morning. Very untidily, if I may say so. You may not? Very well. I never will again, I promise.
2: Elvira will now carry that bowl of flowers to the mantelpiece and back again. You will, Elvira, won't you? No. Just to please me.
4: I won't carry the bowl of flowers, but I'll smash it. No, no, don't, don't <laughs> do that. Don't do what? Charles, this is a trick, isn't
2: it? This not a trick.
4: Yes, Charles, you've had your joke. Now tell me. Tell me how you made that base. Really,
2: Ruth, there's nothing to be frightened about. It's only a ghost in the room. You see, she smashed another. Charles,
4: this is some sort of hypnotism. Hypnotism, my foot. Elvira, Elvira.
2: There's no need to overdo it. Oh, Charles.
4: She is here. She is. It's true. It's enough to drive me out of my mind. I can't put up with this anymore. I'm going to Madame
3: Arcati.
5: get it all down. You say she is visible only to your husband? Uh, yes, Madame Arcati. Visible only to husband. Audible, too, I presume? Extremely audible. Oh, extremely audible. Your husband was devoted to her. It was a moderately happy marriage, I believe. Oh, then your husband probably wanted her back, and I achieved it. I brought her spirit back to earth. <laughs> I want you to send her spirit back to heaven, or
4: wherever it comes from. What? Dematerialize her, exorcise her, whatever it
5: is you call it.
4: Send her back to the spirit world. Madame Arcati, you do know how to
5: do it, don't you? Mrs. Condomine I haven't the foggiest notion how to do it.
2: Hello, Ruth. How is Madame Arcati?
4: Exasperating. What
2: did you go to her for?
4: To get me exorcised, of course.
2: Is that true, Ruth? It's what true. What Elvira said. You
4: know perfectly well I can't hear what Elvira said. She
2: said that you went to Madame Arcade to try and get her exorcised. Is that true? Yes. There's a snake in the grass for you. <laughs> She's naturally a bit upset and must make allowances.
4: Charles, where is Elvira at the moment?
2: Uh, sitting in the chair by the table.
4: I shall need your help, Charles. I'm going to talk to her and you must tell me what she says. <clears throat> and now look here, Elvira... <laughs> well, I shall have to call you, Elvira, shall I? I can't very well go on saying Mrs. Condamine all the time would sound too silly. I don't see why. Did she say anything?
2: She said she liked nothing better.
4: <laughs> I wish to be absolutely honest with you, Elvira. Hold on to your hats, boys. I admit, I did go to Madame Arcati with a view to getting you exorcised. And I think that if you were in my position, you'd have done exactly the same thing, wouldn't you? I wouldn't have had to. Oh, why don't you give up? Charles doesn't love you, you know. What did she say? Nothing. She just nodded and smiled. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you, Elvira, That's very generous of you. But now I want to ask you a frank question. Why did you really come here? I came because the power of Charles is love. Tugged and tugged and tugged at me. What did she say? <clears throat> uh, she said that she came because she
2: wanted to see me again.
4: Well, she's done that, hasn't she? i allowed her to go back. Uh,
2: we can't be inhospitable. I
4: have no wish to be inhospitable, but I should like to have just an idea of how long you intend to stay, Elvara.
2: Perhaps forever. She says she doesn't know. Is...
4: <laughs> I'm doing my level best to control myself, but I'm not going to try any more. All I have to say to you, Elbara, is this. Keep out of my way. Hmm, that's silly. She wouldn't know if I were in her way. <laughs> Keep out of any room that I'm in and leave my husband alone. Remember, he is my husband. You're a ghost. You have no claim on Charles. And if you don't keep away from him, I'll. I'll report you to the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> oh,
2: I wish you wouldn't laugh at Ruth, Elvira.
4: If she persists in being funny, I shall persist in laughing.
2: You have no heart. I'm going up to Ruth.
4: Oh, just when we're alone together. Will you. will you come down very soon?
2: Of course I shall.
4: Which stairs? Will you come down the one with the landing or, or the back stairs?
2: Well, the one with the landing, of course. What
4: a silly question. I just wanted to know where to wait for you, my darling.
2: Elvira, you're up to something. Oh, no. Oh, yes, you are. When you're demure, you're up to something. Don't be silly. Don't you be silly. I'm going upstairs to see Ruth, and I want you to remain right here in this room and cause no trouble.
4: Just as you say, Charles, darling. <laughs> the stairs with the landing, eh? <laughs> Now, just where do they keep the floor wax, I
5: wonder?
3: Oh, yes, Mom. I'll run right downstairs and get the sheet. Wow! Oh! Oh. Oh.
2: oh, Daisy. Daisy, what is it? What oh, yeah.
3: happened? Oh, I don't know, Mom. Someone left something slippery on the landing. Oh.
2: Here I am, Ruth. How's Daisy?
4: Resting quietly. I bandaged
2: oh, her head. Fine, uh, Ruth. Um, I wonder if you would mind uh, if I went out for a while. Why? Uh, Elvira wants to take uh, wants me to take her for a drive.
4: Oh, uh, Charles, uh, would you come in here to the living room? I want to talk to you.
2: Well, all right.
4: Now, is Elvira in this room? No. you sure?
2: Quite sure. What's this all about, Ruth?
4: This is a fight, Charles, a bloody battle. A duel to the death between Elvira and me. Don't you realize that? Nonsense. Well, it isn't nonsense, it's true. Can't you see that Elvira came here with one purpose? What purpose? To get you to herself forever. Oh,
2: that's absurd. How could she? By killing
4: you off, of course, so that you and she would be together in the spirit world. You're mad. Why do you suppose Daisy fell down the stairs and nearly cracked her skull? What's
2: that got to do with it?
4: Because the whole of the top stair was covered with fresh floor wax.
2: Floor wax? That's why Elvira wanted to know what stairs I'd use. Don't
4: you see now? You were supposed to oh, fall, not Daisy. Yeah. You were supposed to die.
2: Oh, it's incredible, Ruth. Ruth, it's
4: awful. Stop looking like a wounded spaniel and concentrate. This is serious.
2: Well, what are we to do? we well, are
4: not to let her know that we suspect a thing. Behave perfect or perfectly ordinarily as though nothing had happened. I'm going to Madame Arcati immediately. Oh, she's got to help us. Even if she can't get rid of Elvira, she must know some technical method of rendering her harmless. If a trance is necessary, she shall go into a trance if I have to beat her into it. I'll be back in half an hour. Oh, and uh, tell Elvira I've gone to see the vicar. This is appalling. Well, oh, never mind about that. Remember now, don't keep yourself away by so much as a flick of an eyelid.
3: Charles, Charles, Charles,
2: Charles. Oh, hello, Elvira. Calling me?
4: Yes. Why didn't you answer?
2: Mm, I was deep in this book. What do you want, Elvira?
4: Well, are you ready? What for? To go for our little drive, of course.
2: Well, I want a glass of sherry first.
4: You are, Tarson, darling. I've been waiting about for hours.
2: Well, a few more minutes won't make any difference then.
4: Oh, very well.
2: Besides, the car will not be back for half an hour at least.
4: Car? Do you
2: mean? Ruth's taken it. Uh, she had to go to see the vicar. What? What no, it's the matter.
5: You say that Ruth's taken the car?
2: Yes, to go and see the vicar. Oh, she won't be long. Oh,
5: good heavens, good heavens. Elvira. Oh, stop her. You must stop her at
2: once. Why? What for? Oh,
4: stop her. Go out and stop her immediately. It's too late
2: now. She's gone already. Oh, oh, oh. What are you going on like this for? What have you done? Done? Oh, I haven't
4: done anything. Elvira, you're lying. I'm not lying. What's
2: that to lie about? Oh, good Lord. The car. No, Charles,
4: no. Ruth was you right. Could... You did want
2: no, to kill me. You've done something to the car. <laughs> Hello? Yes, speaking? I see. The bridge at the bottom of the hill. Yes. The car turned over. Ruth killed? Oh, good heavens. Yes. Yeah, yes, I'll I'll come right away.
4: Elvira. No, no, I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't. Oh, yes, you did, Elvira. Ooh. I can see you now, Elvira, you creeping, crawling thing. Oh, Charles,
3: Charles, don't let her hit me. It's Charles, that,
2: Elvira. Oh, no, no. Don't tell me I have to live with two ghosts.
3: Oh! <laughs>
0: You are listening to Blythe Spirit, produced by the Theatre Guild on the Air and presented by the United States Steel Corporation. And here again, speaking for United States Steel, is George Hicks.
6: A few minutes ago, I told you who the owners of the United States Steel Corporation are. Now I would like to show you how that ownership works. Essentially, United States Steel is an organization which exists to produce iron, steel, and other products and services. The employees of United States Steel produce those things with the tools provided by the invested savings of the stockholders. And those stockholders have invested in tools more than $6,000 for each and every one of the more than 275,000 employees. That is how United States Steel works. The 228,000 stockholders invest their savings to buy tools. The employees use those tools. Working together, the two groups make products which, when sold, provide wages for the employees in return for their work, and wages for the stockholders in return for the use of their money. Those are two vitally important groups, but there is a third, and that is the general public, the consumers who buy the products. They're the most important of all, for the existence of United States Steel and of its employees and stockholders depends on serving the needs and wishes of the public. All three of these groups are interdependent because all three benefit from the successful operation of United States Steel. That's the way of doing business in America. Working to benefit all three of those groups, the public, the employees, and the stockholding owners, is the goal of the industrial family that serves the nation, United States Steel.
0: You are listening to the Theater Guild on the Air, presented by the United States Steel Corporation.
1: And now the curtain rises on the third act of Blythe Spirit, starring Clifton Webb, Leonora Corbett, and Mildred Natwick, and featuring Kathleen Cordell.
2: Did you ever live in a house with two ghosts? Oh, I suppose it's not so bad when the ghosts are men. Oh, but deliver me from female ghosts. If you think it's difficult living with your wife or your wives when they're alive, just you try living with their ghosts. I tried to convince Ruth and Elvira that if I wanted to be with any woman, it would be with one I could touch. They couldn't see why, and they kept on troubling me. Charles,
4: what are you doing in here in the study? Writing. Oh, why don't you come and take me to the movies? No. He's going to take me for a drive. But I haven't seen a movie in seven years.
2: Uh, Let me be the first to congratulate you.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, please, Charles. I do want to go to the movies.
2: Oh, that's so typical of you, Elvira. All you ever thought of was having fun.
4: Well, why shouldn't I have fun? I died young, didn't I? Come on, Charles. Let's go for our drive.
2: I don't see why you want to go for a drive, Ruth. Remember what happened the last time you took a drive.
4: You mean the accident? Oh, I'm not worried, Charles. There's no danger. It can't happen again. Except to you, of course. That's one reason why I'm not not going. (laughs) The other
2: reason is that I have to work.
4: Charles, don't you love me anymore?
2: He never did, dear. He loved me.
4: Now, see here, Elvira. If you and I are going to stay together indefinitely in this house, we'll have to come to some sort of arrangement. Good. On Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'll have Charles to myself. And on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday... We'll both have, Charles. See
2: here, both of you. You're not going to stay in this house indefinitely. Why don't you take a cottage somewhere? A cottage?
4: There's gratitude for you.
2: Gratitude? Yes,
4: after all the years we've devoted to you. You know, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, Charles. What about
2: all the years I devoted to you?
4: Nonsense, dear. We waited on you hand and foot. Didn't we, Ruth? We certainly did. We wouldn't be here now if the power of your love weren't holding us here.
2: The power of my love? Huh, ladies, Please. For two weeks I've put up with your bickering, your interruptions, your silly practical jokes. I've stood Elvira's changing all the furniture round, Ruth putting it back again, so that I didn't even know where I was going to sit down. I'm fed up. I tell you, all I've had, all I can stand. I wish you'd get out of here, both of
4: you. Charles, how can you? Well, if that's the way you feel, the sooner the better for me. And anyway, I'd like to get back to that gin game. I'd already won $38 from Genghis when that horrid child broke it all up. And for what? So that I could come back here and be insulted and repulsed. Really, I should be very happy to get back. You'll be happy, but what about me? I'm a perfect stranger up there. Oh, darling, don't worry. I'll give a party for you. The most divine people. <laughs> Joe of is raining. Darling, how sweet of you.
2: Oh, that's fine. You'll get your wish as soon as Madame Arcotty can pedal over here. <laughs> And that's how I feel, Madame Arcati.
5: Well, 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 Mr. Condamine, this is most interesting, most interesting.
2: It's most infernally annoying.
5: Stiff up a lip, Mr. Condamine. We'll muddle through. Now, are your wives in this room? Yes.
2: Elvira, Ruth?
5: All right. We're ready.
2: They're ready, Madame Arcati.
5: All right. I don't suppose you have a shepherd's wart and a frog or two in the house. No. Oh, well, I'll have to manage it with the magic verse. You know Merlin, the magician, does this sort of thing at parties? The balls is all stiff with
2: it. You're sure you can manage, Madame Arcati? Oh,
5: quite sure. If anything happens, I'll feel it inside me. I'll feel a ripple through my whole frame. Some ripple. Now, <laughs> will you just tell your wives to stand very still? We are standing still. Now, ghostly specter, ghoul or fiend, nevermore be thou convened. Shepherds, walt and holy right, banish thee into the night. Are they still here?
2: They're still here. <laughs>
5: Mm, look at them scamper out on the lawn, then up in the air and put them on. Are they still here?
6: They're still here. <laughs> mm.
5: Ibbity, ibbity, zibbity, zab. Listen as my tones get louder. Ibbity, ibbity, zappity, zib. Won't you two please take a powder? <laughs> Are they still here?
3: We're still
5: here. <laughs> Give up hope. Chin up. Never give in. That's my motto. The cool girl phraseology is driving me mad. Now then.
2: Now then what?
5: What do you say? We have another seance and oh. really put our shoulders to the wheel. Make it a real rouser. For goodness sake, not another seance.
2: Madame Arcate, don't you think perhaps we've had enough seances? After all, you haven't achieved much, have you?
5: Rome wasn't built in a day, you know.
2: I know it wasn't.
5: Well then, cheer up. Away with melancholy. Now look here, Madame Arcate. Before you go off in any of those trances,
2: I really think we ought to discuss the situation a little. Oh,
5: surely, but we'll win through
4: yet. Don't be downhearted. If we're not very careful, so materialize a hockey team. Now
5: then, Mr. Condemn.
3: <laughs> Fire away.
2: Well, my wives and I have been talking it over, and they're both absolutely convinced that somehow or other I call them back. Very natural. I'm equally convinced that I did not. Oh,
5: well, somebody did, Mr. Condemn. Perhaps it was Dr. Bradman. I never knew he cared. <gasps> Are you sure? It wasn't you. Are you really sure?
2: Absolutely positive.
5: Great Scott, I believe I've been barking up the wrong tree. How do you mean? Mr. Condivine, ordinarily a ghost is called back from the other world by some person who knew the ghost in life and loved him. But there are people, we call them naturals. Naturals? Yes. Strong, psychic subjects who without even meaning to, without knowing what they're doing, can call back ghosts who want to come back. If you didn't call your wives back then we must look for one of these naturals. Quickly. My crystal.
2: Yes, uh, here.
5: Oh, thank you. Oh, drat the thing. It's cloudy again. There, that's better. It's there again. It's there again. I'm beginning to understand. I
2: wish I was. What's there again? A
5: bandage. A white bandage. Hold on to a white bandage. I
2: haven't got a white bandage.
5: (laughs) She's too good, you know. She ought to be in a circus. Be you in nook or craddy, answer me. Do you in still room or closet, answer me. Do you behind the panel above the stairs, beneath the eaves, waking or sleeping, answer me. That ought to do it or I'm a Dutchman. Do what? Hush, wait.
2: Would you like the gramophone on or the lights off or anything? Oh, no,
5: it's near. It's... it's very near. If it's a ghost, Mm -hmm. I shall
4: scream. Well, I hope it's nobody we know. I shall feel so silly.
2: Daisy.
5: Did you ring, sir? Oh, the bandage. It's a white bandage.
2: Well, she had a concussion. No, Daisy, I didn't ring.
5: Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I could have sworn I heard the bell or somebody calling. Come here, Daisy. Oh. oh.
2: Go on, go to Madame Akari. It's quite all right.
5: Who do you see in this room, child? Oh, dear. Answer, please. You, madam? Go on. The master. Anyone else? Oh, no, madam. Oh, she's lying. Oh, madam. They always do. They? Daisy, quick, where are they now? By the fireplace. Oh.
2: She can see them.
5: Oh, let me go. Let me go
4: back to bed. I haven't done nothing It's wrong. all right,
2: Daisy. It's all right. Nobody said you had.
4: If she's been the cause of all this unpleasantness, I'll give her a week's notice tomorrow. You <laughs> know, you may not be here tomorrow.
5: Um, I'll have to hypnotize her. Look at me, Daisy. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Is she Barmy? Here, Daisy. Look at my finger. Have you ever seen such a long, long, long finger? Now it's on the right, now it's on the left. Backwards and forwards it goes, see, very quietly. Backwards and forwards, tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. The mouse ran up the clock. You're going to sleep, Daisy. You're going to sleep.
3: Yes.
5: Are you asleep? Yes. Well, so far, so good. She's off all right. Off? She's a natural. Now then, would you just ask your wives to stand close together, please?
2: Elvira, roof? I
5: don't like this at all. I feel peculiar. Daisy. Yes? You know what you have to do
4: now, don't you, Daisy? Oh, yes, madam. I believe it's going to work, whatever it is. Oh, Charles, shh. This is goodbye, Charles. Well, tell her to stop for a minute. There's something I want to say before I go. It's too late now.
2: You should have you thought would. of that before.
4: You didn't want me back, Charles, really. You're getting rid of me. But I'd like to tell you that last summer, when you were in Nottingham, I went to the 400 several times with Dr. Bradman, and I must say I couldn't have enjoyed it more. Did you hear me, Charles? Did you? Don't you think you're getting rid of us quite so easily, my dear? You may not be able to see us, but we shall be here all right. I consider that you have behaved atrociously over the whole miserable business. And I should like to stay here and now. They've
2: gone. They've really gone. Oh, Madame Arcati, thank you, thank you. Now I can have some peace. Now I can have some peace. Ha, huh, that's what I thought. But what I didn't realize was that while you may not be able to see a ghost, you can certainly hear one. And you can hear two doubly loud. I found that out that very night. I went to bed early and was sound asleep. But I was soon to be disturbed. Huh? What's that? Someone making a noise? Ruth, Elvira, are you there? Ruth, Elvira, I know darn well you're there. I just want to tell you that I'm going away, so there's no point in you hanging about any longer. I'm going a long way away, somewhere where I don't believe you'll be able to follow me. You see, I've found something out. Madame Arcari told me this afternoon, ghosts cannot travel over water. Is that quite clear, my darling? You said in one of your more acid moments, Ruth, that I'd been Hagrid in all my life. How right you were. But now I'm free, Ruth, dear. Not only of Mother and Elvira and Mrs. Winthrop Llewellyn, but free of you, too. And I should like to take this farewell opportunity of saying I'm enjoying it immensely. (coughs) Ha, (laughs) ha, ha, ha. I thought so. Uh, You were very silly, Elvira, to imagine that I didn't know all about you and Dr. Bradman. I did. What you didn't know was that I was extremely attached to Mrs. Bradman at the time. Goodbye for the moment, my dears. I expect we are bound to meet again one day. But until we do, I'm going to enjoy myself across the ocean as I've never enjoyed myself before. You see, I'm getting out of this bed for the last time. For the last time, I'm lifting my clothes from this chair where you both always hated me to leave them. (laughs) Well, you won't have to complain of it again. I'm going for good. (laughs) And now... Now, if you're all through with your fun, my lovelies, turn your backs. I'm getting dressed.
0: on a Theatre Guild on the Air production of Blind Spirit by Noel Coward, sponsored by the United States Steel Corporation. Starring Clifton Webb as Charles, Leonora Corbett as Elvira, Mildred Natwick as Madame Arcadi, and featuring Kathleen Cordell as Ruth. Other members of our cast included Betty Breckenridge as Daisy, Robert Chisholm as Dr. Bradman, and Valerie Cossard as Mrs. Bradman. And here again is Roger Pryor with a word about next week's play.
1: Next week, ladies and gentlemen, as a feature of the ceremonies opening the Red Cross annual membership drive, United States Steel takes the Theater Guild on the air to Washington, D.C., where on Sunday night in Historic Constitution Hall, before an audience of government and congressional leaders, we'll present Helen Hayes in James M. Barry's famous comedy, What Every Woman Knows. Helen Hayes is the voice of the Red Cross in its current drive. Featured opposite Miss Hayes in What Every Woman Knows is Richard Waring, who is currently appearing
0: with the American Repertory Company. Remember next week, What Every Woman Knows by J.M. Barry, starring Helen Hayes. And remember, too, that the trademark of United States Steel, U.S.S., on any steel product, is your guide to quality steel. The Theatre Guild on the air is under the supervision of Lawrence Langner and Teresa Helburn, with Homer Fickett, director, Carol Irwin, production executive, and our Minor Marshall, executive director of the radio department. Music was composed and conducted by Harold Levy, and the play was adapted by Robert Senadella. Your announcer, Norman Brokenshire. The United States Steel Corporation hopes that you'll be with us next Sunday at the same time.